If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up-to-the-minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and here with me on the other end of the line is my co-host, Curtis. And man, was that fun yesterday or what? Uh, you, got, you, you guys all saw it. It was an absolute beatdown and a statement that, as Jake Fromm said post-game, did you hear this, Curve? what he said post-game? Yeah, about... Uh... Someone had to pay for all that work. Yeah, we prepare and someone had to pay for for how we prepare and that someone was South Carolina today. So he said that, you know, obviously someone had to pay and it was South Carolina. And as he also said in that interview, we aren't going anywhere for a while and uh, we're here to show people that after we lost all those guys from last year. Uh, Our guys, man, let's be real. They made a lot of national pundits look absolutely foolish and and just humbled uh, what I believe to be the trashiest and worst fan base in the SEC. And we all know, like every fan base, including ours. I mean, let's be real. We, we, every one of them has some people here and there they would rather not claim as their own. But man, for me, South Carolina, they take that to an entirely different level. Uh, we have gone to Columbia every time we've played there since 2010, and we have gotten treated exceptionally poorly every single time. I'm talking about some like ridiculous stuff, some just beyond. I gotta say, this one, this time was a little, it's a little bit of a different experience. Uh, just beating them down like that and just seeing them dejected. And I have to admit, I enjoyed every single second of it. I lived it up. Uh, don't talk trash or anything like that. We just keep our heads down and just go. But just fun just watching them, you know, just uh, run away like some whip puppies there. But uh, we will have a full recap of this game. You guys know we will. We'll have that for you guys momentarily. But first, I do just want to quickly remind everyone that we will be posting the game recap shows like this one today to SoundCloud and iTunes for free each and every week during the season. So you can definitely find these recap shows. Uh, t- should typically be on Monday. Last week was on Tuesday because of Labor Day. But it should be Monday every week moving forward. We'll have that for you guys free on iTunes and SoundCloud. So you can find us there. It'll also be on Podbean as well if you like to listen to us there. But the other shows throughout the week, including our game preview and pick show, will be exclusive to our subscribers on Podbean. So make sure to go to Podbean and subscribe today for only $2 a month. It's a really quick and easy process. I promise you, I would not tell you that if it wasn't. It really takes like a minute of your time if if it's something that you're interested in. If you're doing it online, you just go to our uh, Podbean page. You you really can just go to Podbean, search for Glory UJ Podcast, or you can go to our Twitter page, click on... Uh, the link on our profile will take you right to our Podbean page. And there should be, if you're on the computer, should be a yellow Buy Now uh, button there on the right side. Click on that. And you just fill in your information. And I'm serious. It's like a minute. And if you're on uh, your mobile device, you, you can follow the same process. But when you're scrolling down the mobile site, you have to scroll down a little bit on the page. And eventually, you will see that yellow Buy Now button. And you just click that. And you can subscribe. You have access to all of our shows throughout the season. So, if you enjoy the show and you want more of our content, definitely check us out there. It's only $2 a month, and we're going to do our best to make sure it's worth everyone's time. 
Uh, but Kurt, let's go ahead and get into this, man. And let's start like we did last week. We're going to do this throughout the season with our recap shows. Let's start with just a, a quick big picture look at this game. And that was just one heck of a performance. Were you surprised at all with how dominant we were in this game and how we were able to just completely pull away from them? I really wasn't. Um, I think the, the whole thing that I really saw is we were just – I mean, throughout the first half, we were just a little bit away from, you know, making a play here or there, especially the first half. Um, you know, I go back to that throw uh, where Fromm missed, crumped it on the slant. I mean, it's yeah. just a, we were just inches away from really – That could have been a touchdown. Yeah, exactly. If he hits him on the run, it's a t- it could be a touchdown. In the yeah. first half, we were just that close. And, I mean, and you saw South Carolina. They, they ran, I think, almost – they ran 48 plays in the first half. Yeah. And yet – they had one offensive touchdown. Yeah. And I think just seeing all that kind of showed me, I was like, you know what, if we could just get, you know, get some points on the board and, you know, convert some of these plays, then we could honestly just run away with it because they were we, they were giving us everything that they had that first half and we were still just holding them Yeah, down. and obviously we did eventually run away. We, we all know the final score, 41-17 there. But you're right. I think we, we certainly could have run away with it in the first half and just completely destroyed their souls. We eventually did destroy their souls, but it just took a little, little while into the third quarter for that to – to really end up happening. Um, it doesn't shock me, realistically. I mean, coming into the season, you and I and a lot of people said that we have a tight team that's going to wear you down in third and fourth quarter because we have such big offensive linemen. Look, and, and one thing also say is, I'm, I'm not, I'm really seriously not trying to pat our backs here because we were not, certainly we're not the only ones to say this at, in any way, shape, or form. But isn't it just kind of fun to see like how you think a game is going to play out and it actually plays out exactly how you thought it was going to play out? It is nice, especially because, you know, I was a little nervous in the first half, especially when we weren't converting those plays. Right. I was getting nervous because, like, what, you know, what are we doing? Yeah, but, I mean, just the idea that, that you and I and other people as well, certainly not just us, but we were on this idea that, look, if we can just stay close uh, through the first half or, and, and, or take a lead at halftime and then just wear on them in that heat with our superior depth, and we're going to wear them out in the second half, and then we'll just basically do whatever we want to them in the second half. And, and is that not exactly how it played out? More or less, it is. I mean, that, that is exactly how it played out. That's what I sat there and watched the stands. I think all of you guys, if you're at the game or at home watching, you saw that play out. And, and like, we don't always get it right like that. Like, what we think is going to happen doesn't always happen. But it's just, it's fun to kind of see it how we thought it was going to play out. It actually ends up transpiring exactly that way. Uh, now there were some there were some bumps in the, along the way too. It wasn't all pretty, so we'll get into that here momentarily. But uh, you know, trying to answer that question, was I surprised at how dominant we were in this game? I. I can't say it completely shocked me at all. Like now, when I did the when we did the preview show, I backed down from my initial uh, pre I guess earlier in the off season uh, kind of prognostication when it comes to this game. Actually, when we did our uh, what was it our actually Georgia season preview the week of the of the first game that Monday before the first game, and we ran through each game on the schedule and and gave a Sunday morning headline following each game. And my headline that day. For that show, following the South Carolina game was Georgia makes a statement on the road in Columbia, right? Remember that? Uh, yes. And then we, but then the week of this show, as we got closer and closer, my nerves got the best of me. And when we do the preview show on on Thursday, I kind of backed off a little bit and said we were still going to win, but I thought it was going to be much closer than I initially thought. I, I think what I say, thirty one twenty seven. So it was really my nerves and the old Larry Munson in me, and uh, I guess just being conditioned to. A, Mark Rick, you know, for all for all those years of just not playing well on the road in big environments and big games, and really, I'm gonna be real with the 2012 game. That's that's still. I mean, that just scarred me for life. That 2012 game there in Columbia. I just, man. So I mean, now I, I'm I'm starting to finally get over that. But 
Like I, I knew that we were the superior team. Like we, and I'm, we've said this all offseason long. We're talking about South Carolina and all these people how they were picking this as the trendy upset special of the, of the offseason. I, I just don't. I didn't know what they were talking about. I mean, you had a guy like Gary Danielson, who I, I generally respect. I, I think he's a, he's a good football mind. I think he does a good job as the as the lead analyst there on CBS. But I, I don't know if you heard this girl. He was on. Uh, I forget exactly what show it was on, but he was on one of these radio shows earlier in the week. And they're obviously asking about the South Carolina-Georgia game because that's the game he was calling. And he flat out said that South Carolina's top 30 were as good as our top 30. And I almost ran off the road listening to that. I'm like, what? And this is a guy that I respect, and he's saying that. And I just in no way saw that. And I I watched these two teams very closely throughout the offseason, watched games from last year, and then I watched uh, obviously watched both games from, uh, from week one. And look, we both played played overmatched opponents. But if you watch the, these two teams, there's no way that you can think anything other than we are the clearly superior team, talent wise, depth wise, in all ways. And really, the only concern I had was the fact of this, this game was on the road. It was early in the season. We had some young guys in the secondary, uh, and we just didn't know how they would respond. I loved their talent, but we just didn't know exactly how they would respond. But man, these guys came out to play. So I, I based on talent. I, I'm not surprised this happened. I just, you know, maybe it's the timing of the situation where it was played was somewhat surprising. But, uh, man, we're just, let's just be honest here. We were clearly the better team. So, how, let's move to this. How were we able to run away with this game and essentially shut the game cocks up? What did we do? What were we able to do that just basically took this game from them? Um, I think the biggest thing that stands out to me that broke their backs was uh, in the second half we come out and get the back-to-back uh, three and outs for them and us taking it down their throat. And, yeah. uh, I mean, more than anything, was just getting those quick – or they weren't exactly super quick scores, but uh, they're the type of scores that break those teams' backs. So oh, yeah. Those, when we got those two early scores in the second half and we were just kind of doing what we wanted at will there and we got the two stops, the two three and outs to open. And one of them was, you know, we got a third and one and we were able to get that big stop there. Uh, that that you're right. That completely broke their back, and we we took their will from them at that point. And it was it was over. It was over after that. Um, when, when, what it was when we got to 34-10. I mean, it, it was it was done at 34-10. Then we tack on another touchdown. I mean, could we not? We could have beat them 55 to 10, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, I mean, it could have been worse. Than that. Yeah. I mean, they were done. I mean, they were absolutely done. I mean, you you guys all saw it. Uh, they'd given up. They were. T- I mean, they had. You know, they were just tired. They didn't have the bodies rotating out like we did. We were just rotating. We were rotating to every single position, really, other than safety throughout the entire game, offensively and defensively. I guess quarterback as well. Um, and we just we. And thinking about our depth, it's not just we have more guys to roll in there, but like there's not a ton of a drop off, you know. Yeah. With our guys, so it's that's the one thing people are noticing now too. Is we're putting in our a lot of our second group guys are rotating them in and out, and they were still and they were dominating the South Carolina first unit. Yeah. And that's if there's any, if there's anything surprising to me is maybe that that our second unit played as well as they did. I I had confidence in them, had faith in them, but to see them play as well as they did, to see a guy like Cade Mays come in in a big time moment, play the, essentially the entire second half and just flat out dominate out there, because that's let's be honest. I mean, he dominated, right? He did. I mean, he he looked stunning, especially in the, especially in the run game. Yeah, I mean, he looked fantastic. Now you're right, and we didn't put him in a ton of situations in the second half, really hardly any at all, where he was having to hold up against elite pass rushers in, in, in third and long situations. So that still remains to be seen. But asking this guy to open up holes in the run game, dude, he, he, he answered that bell. There's no doubt there. Uh, so clearly I think you're right. The, that, that early sequence there, there's a few sequences in the, in the uh, second half to open up there. 
was really where we kind of pulled away. What were we doing though, maybe schematically or whatever it was, to be able to put ourselves in that situation? All right, well, I think the first thing was we saw that they were going, uh, especially, you know, the first drive and things like that, we were coming out and getting the run game established. And they knew we were going to try to do that, especially in the second half. So what we were doing is when they were loading the box type things, we were just hitting them with those quick, uh, you know, the quick, almost RPO, like They were RPOs. They were pre-snap yeah, RPO reads. Hitting me cold, soft, you know, having them soften up that thing, getting me cold really one-on-one. Uh, if, if, if it's more or less if our guy made the block, me cold's going to make a play. And that's what was happening. So we were doing that. Then all of a sudden they couldn't stack the box. We had to open it up. They had to spread out just a little, you know, loosen it up. And then all of a sudden our big hogs just took over at that point. We threw the ball 19 times and ran for 271 yards. Is that not exactly the kind of game that Kirby Smart wants to, or the kind of stat line that Kirby Smart wants to see when he looks at it at the end of the game? Um, especially in a game like this where you completely dominate it. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, I honestly, I think if Kirby Smart could, he would well, run the ball every single time. Until the end of the game, we were really balanced. I mean, the last, what, 10, 12 plays, you know, that, that nine-minute drive were almost all runs. Yeah. So if you take out those, we were extremely, we were very close to 50-50. Yeah, we really were. Uh, it, it was a great game plan. You know, it, it's it's really similar to what we do almost every single game. It's it's not rocket science when it comes to offensive game plan. We want to establish a run. We want to hit play action off of that. Now there are certain games where we feel like we you know we might be somewhat overmatched or might be an even match with the defensive front, like against Alabama in the national title game, where we come out throwing the ball, trying to loosen them up early and then go to the run. Um, but most of the time, we're going to come out trying to run the football, get them to commit extra defenders to the box, and we're going to try to take advantage of that, run constraint plays, like those pre-snap RPOs that we ran to Miko, like you were mentioning, force them to have to account for that, take guys out of the box, then we run the ball down their throats because they, got, they don't have the personnel there to stop it, and then we just kind of repeat the cycle over and over again, and we just kind of had our way with them. Uh, so I, th- I thought it was a great game plan. I really liked what we did defensively. I think we, we did a really good job of just – Trying to keep everything in front of us, we were trying to take away right. the big plays from them, and they, and they, one thing I thought we did well was uh, adjusting really well. Yeah, I think I, I absolutely think we did. Uh, you and I were talking about that. We were texting during the game how the second half we came out in more of a zone and allowed our inside linebackers to just you know not be in those true one on one matchups, but just keeping everything up in front of them, come making those plays like you just mentioned. Yeah, South Carolina did a lot of what I thought they were going to do early in the games, pretty much they, the they entire really, first half. Other than that deep. Uh, other than a deep ball to Edwards in like what the fourth quarter, or something. When the game really was didn't. over, I mean it was done. But other than that, they didn't truly attack us downfield. No, like they didn't. Said, a, a lot of their stuff was the intermediate routes. It was the quick passing game all day long, and and, and, and that's one thing people I will bring up that people are questioning why we didn't get much of a pass rush. Well, they didn't allow us to. No, they they did exactly yes. Yeah. So, and we were, we were, we had a mailback question that we're going to get into later this week on another show, and there was a question about that, and and I just actually before we got on the show, I. Was able, uh, riding home, I was able to watch some of the game and I finished it up a little bit too uh, as, after I got home, after doing some Sunday chores and all that fun stuff. Uh, but with, with the way that they were trying to get the ball out of Bentley's hands very quickly, we had no chance to get back there. Now, when he did take five and seven-step drops and, and was trying to stay in the pocket, we were able to get pressure yeah, on Dondre, him. People like Jordan and some of our guys were at least getting hurries out of it. Right, we were forcing him to step in the pocket. Now, one thing I do have an issue with right now uh, in terms of our pass rush I, I don't have any issue with our outside linebackers and our and our edge rushers. Right now, the problem is, from what I can see through two games, is we're not getting enough of a push on the interior. 
Uh, we're not getting any pass rush whatsoever from the interior. And so when our when our defensive ends, our edge players, our outside linebackers, when they're able to force a guy like Jake Bailey up into the pocket, there's no one there collapsing the pocket to take him down. He's, he has a nice, clean pocket. When Kirby first took over, or I mean, even at the end of the Pruitt era, you know, we'd get pressure from people like Leonard Floyd and stuff like that off the edge, but they were easily stepping up in his pocket, avoiding it. Yeah, and to be honest, also we we did not get very exotic in our in our no, dime package. There's only, couple, there's only a couple times we even showed a crazy blitz, and that was like where uh, DeAndre Jordan, you know, did a delay blitz. Where Walker, he like he yeah, Walker, the, yeah, yeah, DeAndre Walker, yeah, dropped through the cut. Yeah, the he starts out there over the slot receiver, and then. And blitzes from that position. I think there were at least two times I saw that he almost got Bentley both times there and actually forced him to and make I mean, some poor throws. That, I mean, one thing we didn't do that we did a lot last year, uh, last year we brought the inside linebackers quite a bit, and you didn't see us bring them at all, really, Saturday. Well, I, I think part good. of that from last year was Roquan was just such an electric athlete and what he could do from that position. Had, and let's be honest, they, they used their running backs quite a bit, so we had to keep our eyes on them. We couldn't truly Yeah, and, and, and that's what I was getting to earlier. Yeah, I mean – I said in the preview show what I thought that they would do if, if they watched the same tape as I did from our first game. Granted, it was only one game. The the weakest link on our defense right now, and I still stand by this. I think they played a, a good game on Saturday, but I still say the weakest link on our defense is our inside linebackers. They're not overly athletic. Uh, they're a step slower than they need to be in what we've had in the past. Um, and I thought with their receiver core that they would try to attack those guys, whether it was crossing routes, was getting the running backs involved. RPOs, whatever it might be, and sure enough, they did that. They really tried to hit crossing routes with his mesh routes, shallow crosses. Uh, they got the run. They got they tried to get Rico Dowdle uh, in, uh, involved in the in the pass game, and he, he had he had a nice game except for the one where he dropped the pass and then we picked it off for a pick six. Uh, but they tried to get those guys involved, and early we were trying to run some man coverage, and I think we realized all right. They got a couple of chunk plays off those looks, and there's a couple of plays that they didn't quite convert. They were close to. They tried to get a couple of wheel routes with Dowdle down the sideline that were there, but they just yeah. They tried. I will say Natrez did a good job at least staying with him because Dowdle's way more athletic than him. Yeah, Natrez did. A, and look, I'm not. I, I thought the inside backers actually did a good job. They played better yeah, than I, I thought, thought they, they would. Above, it wasn't as bad as it was last time. I thought they held their own for the most part. I mean, they had a few. I mean, the one that really sticks out to me is the one where Monty uh, lost coverage. Other than yeah. that, I mean, they were at least there. Yeah, I thought that they did a good job. They were admirable there in coverage. Uh, and those guys play hard. I mean, I, I really appreciate what they do, and they play hard. But I think Kirby and Mel saw what was going on, where they were trying to attack, so that quick passing game across the middle. And they responded with going more zone looks where we could just we'll allow them to have that, and we just break on the ball. And we broke up a couple passes like that uh, in the second, late in the first half and the second half as well. So you're right. I definitely do think we adjusted. They, they kind of attacked us how I thought they would attack us. And our coaches made the proper adjustments to uh, – to be able to handle those looks. But uh, all right, let's go ahead and let's move into our position grades for this week. Now, obviously, with a beatdown that comprehensive, where we are essentially calling off the dog with an entire quarter to go on the road in conference against a team that's supposed to be your top or one of the top contenders in the division, uh, when you ever have a situation like that, there were a lot of good performances. We all know that. But let's look at each position in detail and grade their performance. Uh, and we're going to start offensively with the quarterback position. Uh, I didn't. I was not looking online at anything, Twitter, anything like that. During the, I think I tweeted one thing early in the game, but after that I kind of just went on a blackout and wanted just to watch the game, focus on what was happening. So I was mildly surprised after the game when I got on there I was looking at a few things to see a lot of criticism of Jake Fromm's play uh, in the first half. What did you make of the quarterback play there with Jake Fromm throughout the game? Um, other, I mean, he, made, he had one bad throw, in my opinion, or 
I mean, I think it's a miscommunication, the one with Simmons, and then also you have to look at the play with uh, Crumpton where he missed him. He, no, he, we, you know, I both say he at least had he at least had a first down that play because our receivers weren't getting separation. There were three plays that stand out in my mind that could that could have been his fault. Uh, you mentioned the first one where there's the, the interception, and there was certainly a miscommunication there. We don't know whose fault that was. Who was the fault there? Was it the receiver broke up the route, did the, or did the receiver on the right route and Fromm was wrong there and just and threw the ball up for grabs? I, we there's really no way for us to really know that our coaches and our, our team knows that there's no way for us to really know that we, all we can look at you can look at that play and say there's clearly miscommunication on someone's part right someone did something wrong maybe it was from maybe it wasn't but he still probably just should, should have just taken the sack there like I I know that's not ideal but I don't think he needs to be throwing that football in that situation so I think that was probably a mistake uh you're right to play to Crumpton um and we had that play it was a, I mean chained out up a winner on that play we essentially set up a screen to the left there with a swift in the boundary uh or was it, it was to the field actually and so we had, and they reacted aggressively towards that. And we had Crumpton isolated on a safety, or no, it wasn't a safety. It was, it was Jemias Williams one on one there in the middle of the field. And I, I, I truly, if Fromm puts that on the money and hits him in stride, Crumpton, I'm not going to say 100% would have taken it to the house, but very well could have had a chance to do that. And at the very least, picks up a big game. Uh, and, and it wasn't a horrible throw. It was a little high, a little out in front of him. And Crumpton's a small guy. And, and the ball was on his hands. Crumpton could have made the catch, but Fromm could also have made that, that catch easier for him to make. And then there's another one that I that I thought Fromm made uh, the wrong read. It was, uh, I think it was... Oh, he, Ridley. He, he threw it right, short. Yeah, he threw, it to Mik- he threw it short to Miko for like four yards, right? Across the field from the far half. Ridley, he, he was eating that. Right. They, they were essentially in a cover two. And from what I could tell, it looked like a cover two. Uh, and the the corner set on on Miko on the short on the flat route. And in that situation, the, the, if it's a cover two, the safety's trying to get over the top. Well, there's the there's the, what we call the sweet spot between the, where the corner's sitting down in the flat and and where the safety's going to get over the top. From could have he needed to, the right read there. In my opinion was to was to hit really down the sideline, right? Yeah. And I mean, and it might not have been a touchdown, but if he can hit him there before the safety gets over the top there, you have at least a 10 to 15 yard game. Very I th- similar to what we saw in the second half when he hit me cold. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that was the wrong read there. He almost got me cold killed on that play. Um, yeah. you, you got, he, he hung his receiver out to dry there. So now with all the decisions from has to make out there on a down to down basis, though, that's three decisions on how many snaps, almost 70 snaps that we had in this game. I guess he was out there for about, about 50 of them. So three three plays out of fifty, when the ball's in his hands every single snap. Now he's not throwing the ball every single snap. I don't think that's terrible. I think so when I so when I read this and I, I see all the, all the the consternation over Jake Fromm's performance, I'm like, it, what I what I see is I, I feel like everyone's expecting this guy to be absolutely one hundred percent perfect. Do you get that feeling? Yeah. I mean that that's what I feel. Like, like, I'm not, and I know some people might say, "Well, you're just a, you're." the president of the Jake Fromm fan club. And I, I make no bones about it. I think the guy's really good, and I really like what Jake Fromm brings to the table. But I I mean, I just went over what the three things I think he made a mistake on. Now, I'm sure there's some other things that I might have missed there, uh, but those are three that stand out to me here off the top of my head. But let's the guy was 15 of 18. He was asked to throw the ball 18 times. He only let three balls hit the ground. Okay? Three balls. 15 of 18. That's a really high percentage of completing, the pa- of, of, of completing passes. Threw for almost 200 yards. Uh, and not to mention all the times the guys in the right run plays. There are multiple times in a hostile, loud environment where he was audibling at the line of scrimmage and getting us into the right run plays. And we were able to bite off chunks of yards because he put us in the right play based on what he saw the defense trying to do. Uh, now, was he spectacular in this game? No. Like, he didn't do anything spectacular because he wasn't really necessarily asked to do things spectacular, like making the big 
the big vertical shots. Now there were a couple of shots they got pass interference. There's one the the one uh, pass interference to Ridley. to Ridley, and then and, and Harry, Harry and on the on the wheel route, right? Yeah, they, I mean that was a touchdown. I mean that was going to be a touchdown. And Sherrod Green, the linebacker, reaches out and grabs Harry because he knows he's beat. So both those would have been big plays. One of them definitely, would, I think, almost certainly would have been a touchdown. And who knows with the one with Ridley? So there were big plays out there, and he put the ball where he need to where he need to put the ball in those plays. Uh, they, South Carolina was just beat, and they and they had to commit penalties to stop the touchdowns on those plays or stop the big gains. So what he did what he was asked to do wasn't necessarily spectacular, but we he did what we needed him to do. And he's a guy again, fifteen of eighteen, hundred ninety two yards, and we won forty one to seventeen. Okay, we had 41 points. The guy taking out of the game. So to to kind of get back to the bar after the game and and look at some of what people were saying, I'm just kind of scratching my head. Like, man, did like are we watching the exact same thing? I, I don't know. And like, I just and maybe I missed something. It's certainly possible. Uh, you know, being at the game, it's different than uh, seeing it on TV and seeing all the replays and things of that nature. So it's really possible I just missed something. But what I saw live and what I saw watching the replay. I did not see a quarterback that was hurting us, and I certainly did not see a quarterback who was just missing wide open receivers like I was seeing a lot of people say after the game. All right, but anyway, let's go ahead and move on to the next position here offensively, and that is the running backs. Curtis, what grade did you give the running backs on the day? I'll probably go with just an A. Go with an A? Okay, yeah, I, I'm right, a, right around there. A, A+. Plus. For me, I gave them an A+, plus, but I can certainly go with an A as well. Uh, they certainly weren't perfect. There were a hole or two that they missed. Well, one in particular that Swift missed on an on inside zone. There's a cutback lane. I'm sorry, an outside zone. There's a cutback lane that he missed. It could have been a big play, but really, all in all, I thought the running backs played outstanding. I, I think all three of the guys that were getting uh, the carries in meaningful time, whether it was Swift, Holyfield, or Harrion, I thought they all played really physical. They were really tough in their runs, and they just they, they put forth great effort out there. And, and those guys are really talented as well. Uh, I was really impressed by I mean, all three of the guys for sure. But I thought Brian Harrion really put a, a good foot forward because he's a guy, you know, he's, right now he's, he's essentially the number three back. I thought he really played well. I thought he came in, especially in, the, in that third quarter when we were kind of wearing them down and made some big plays for us. He looked, he looked explosive. He was running hard. I really liked what I saw from him. Holyfield was averaging about eight yards a carry. I mean, he got, what, nine carries in the day? It was like 76 yards, something along those lines. So if he got, you know, 15-plus carries a game, he's got over 100 yards. So I thought overall these guys played really well. I thought they held up in pass protection well when they were asked to do that. So for me, uh, I'm giving him a solid A, A-plus there for sure. Uh, but when you're talking about the running backs, you certainly cannot talk about them without, of course, talking about the offensive line as well, because they are certainly a, a group that works in tandem with each other. So what did you give the offensive line on the day, Kurt? Uh, for the offensive line, I just wanted the A-minus. You know, they played really well in the second half, but there were at times where they struggled in the first half. Yeah, I, I can't really argue with that. I, I gave him a B-plus. I really wanted to go into the A range. Uh, now, if, I, if I'm talking about just purely from a running the ball perspective and what they did in the run game, it's almost an A-plus there. I mean, 271 yards rushing. Uh, then you have a, a, a true freshman that plays the entire second half except for one play at left tackle. I thought he played really well, especially in the run game. And you now have, for the past three years combined, we have now outrushed South Carolina, by my calculations, 839 yards to 126 yards. 839 to 126 that is complete domination. That that's why we've beaten them three straight years. Is we flat out run the ball all over them when we wanted to, and we have not allowed them to get their running game going at all. And right now, the depth and the ability that that we had to play in the trenches on both sides of the ball that's the difference between 
Georgia and South Carolina right now. They have some skill players. I don't think they have quite as many skill players as we have and quite as talented skill players that we have, but they have some good players out there. They simply do not want we have what we have on the defensive and offensive lines, and they do not have the depth that we have, and that showed up again in this game. Offensive line, especially in the second half, was absolutely leaning on them. The only reason I went with a B plus and not an A minus or an A was there were a couple of pressures early in the game uh, that they allowed, you know, from the sack, the, the interception he threw uh, on, the, on the miscommunication there with, with Simmons. He was getting pressure right in his face by Ken Law. But, again, in the running game, they were flat-out dominant. So another really good performance by our, by our offensive line. I think we're going to see a lot of the same thing throughout the rest of this season. Uh, all right, sticking with the offensive group here, last uh, unit on the offense, we've got the wide receivers. Kurt, what grade did you give our wide receivers? Um, I want the B-plus. I think the biggest thing is, uh, you know, I didn't go into the A section because I thought overall they kind of did struggle getting open on the, on the other routes other than the intermediate, maybe because of what South Carolina was giving us. Um, and that's the only reason I didn't give them the A. I thought, you know, if it was just blocking, you almost have to go A-plus. I thought they did an amazing job blocking. They did a great job fighting for the extra yards on the catches they did make. Um, so, that I mean, to me, it's in the B-plus, A-minus range. I really wanted to go in the A range. Because of what you said there, with how well they blocked the perimeter, I just I, I want to say this real quick about this about this wide receiver group. Almost to a man, I can't think of one of them that doesn't really. Now Miko's not asked to do it as much as the other guys. A lot of times Miko is the beneficiary, like he was on Saturday. But whether it's Tyler Simmons, whether it's Riley Ridley, whether it's Terry Godwin, even D. Rob was on the action. Uh, Jeremiah Holloman, uh, Jason Stanley, of course. Whoever it is out there, these guys are so physical in the run game. I don't know if I've really ever seen a group of wide receivers that are as physical as a as a whole as our group of wide receivers. And I think they truly enjoy it. I think they get a, get a kick out of hitting people. I mean, especially Stanley. There was one play in the third quarter where he comes in. He just he didn't really have to do it, but it, it wasn't necessary for the play to be successful. But he came in and just cracked Jemias Williams and just knocked him off his feet just for just for good measure. I, I think they really enjoy it. They've embraced it, and, and I think they know if they don't do that, they're not going to be on the field. Terry Godwin found yeah, that I feel out. Like that's the biggest thing is they take pride in it because that's what gets them on the field a lot. Of- yeah, Terry found that out in 2016 in Kirby's first year. I mean, he was in his doghouse for a while that year, and that was largely because he was not physical enough to Kirby's liking out there on the perimeter. He bought in, everyone else has bought in, and now it's just kind of a culture with the Georgia wide receivers. We've got a new wide receiver coaches this year, uh, and it's it's still the same story all over again because I think our guys are, have bought in, and it is now the culture and the expectation in Georgia. It's another part of what Kirby's brought and how he's changed the culture within our program. And a lot of the big runs that we had – uh, last year and some of the ones we've had this year and some of the ones we had on Saturday, especially Mecole's big plays in the passing game, those can be directly contributed to how those wide receivers are blocked on the on the perimeter. So if it was just that, it's 100% A+. But you're also right, they made most of the plays they were asked to. And they played really well. Uh, and they made plays, especially Mecole, of course. But there were a few plays where they just simply were not getting open. They were not getting the separation they needed to. And South Carolina's got some decent players back there. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes they were playing coverage and only rushing four. But still, they were not getting the separation. Uh, it, it really more so in the first half than anything else. Uh, well, that's really when we were trying to throw the football. We really did not throw it much at all in the second half. But there were a few plays where they were not getting the separation. If I'm going to take a couple sacks there. So because of that, I'm going to downgrade them just ever so slightly to a B plus. But still, I think it was a great all-around effort by the wide receiver group. Okay, let's flip it over to the other side of the ball. And let's talk about the defense here for a few minutes. And let's start up front with the defensive line. Kurt, what grade did you give the big guys up front? 
Um, with the big guys, I actually went with an A minus, and I think the biggest okay. reason I went with that is, um, you know, yes, they didn't get a lot of pressure, but we talked about that earlier. And I think one thing that's not mentioned is how well they 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 practically made South Carolina one dimensional by stopping the runs for the most part. Yeah, I mean, South Carolina comes out throwing the they come out throwing the ball. They have five wides the entire first possession there. Obviously, that didn't work out so well for them. Uh, but then they bring in Rico Dowdle on, this, on the second drive, and they start trying to run the ball a little bit in the first quarter. They found out pretty quickly that wasn't happening. And that's one of the reasons why Jay Bentley now, of course, they got behind. But that's one of the reasons they threw, what, 47 times in this game? And that is not a recipe for winning football games in the SEC. That's just simply not. Uh, they got held to 54 yards rushing. Our defense line was a key part of that, of course. Uh, and again, like we, I just put out that number. We've outrushed them 839 yards to 126 yards combined over the last three times we played each other dating back to 2016. Well, yeah, the offensive line deserves a lot of credit for the 839 yards rushing, but the defensive line deserves just as much credit for holding the same team to 126 yards rushing over three combined years. And they just they did an outstanding job. They were physical at the point of attack. They played with great leverage. Uh, they were rallying to the ball. They were hustling. Uh, and, and also deflecting balls at the line of scrimmage. You know, when, when teams try to go to the quick passing game, that's when you can really kind of affect them with deflecting balls, get your hand in the air, getting hands in the face. And there were multiple balls that were deflected by the defensive line. And that was. And oh, yeah, they, that's another thing I forgot to mention. They did do a great job of stopping the intermediate passing. Yeah. Yeah. Just putting your hands in the quarterback's face, kind of close up those windows, muddy them up as much as you can. They did a great job there. I went with a B plus though. Uh, I, I now again, if it was just based on what they did in the run game, it's definitely in the A range. But the one thing I still want to see more of from this Stevens Vine is we need more interior pass rush. I thought we did a good job for most of the game, actually bending the edge and getting some pressure from the edges. But when Bentley's able to step up into the pocket and have a clean pocket to step up, step up into, we're not going to get the pass rush we need. We need to be to do a better job of collapsing that pocket. We need more from guys like Rochester. We need more. I mean, Tyler Clark, in, in a lot of those pass situations, he's playing out there with the five technique. He might not even be in the game of situations. But Rochester, uh, Devontae Wyatt, when he was in the game, uh, Michael Barnett, when he's in the game, we need more pressure from the interior in those situations. And I, I, if we can get that, this defense can I, can be pretty nasty. And those sacks will start to rack up pretty quickly. All right, let's move on to the inside linebackers. This is a group you and I were really hard on last week in the opening game against Austin P. How do you feel they responded in week two in a much bigger contest on the road? I'd probably go with a uh, C plus. Okay, you want a C plus? I, I'm not too far away from you. I got, I got him as a B minus. I almost want a B minus. I think just the a few, uh, you know, mistakes uh, in the past coverage or what get them. You know, they, right. they, they were they were about they were they were about you know sixty forty in that doing well. Um, they missed some tackles. I think that's the one reason I don't go. Tate Crowder missed a couple in particular. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, that one. Yeah, definitely. I think it, it, talking about these guys, I think when it's Natrez, Jawan Taylor. And Monty Rice. I think those three guys are pretty comparable, right? I think Monty Rice is – I mean, actually, I think Nature has probably been the best of all three on Saturday. Uh, Monty Rice might be more of, of, of the true inside linebacker of, uh, out of that group of three. But I think it's pretty clear that Tate Crowder is not quite to their level. Is that fair? Yeah, he's definitely – he just doesn't react as quickly as everyone else does. I mean, there was one play in particular. Uh, I, I pretty, was it in the third quarter? I want to say it was in the third quarter. Maybe it was in the second quarter. But he did a great job filling the hole. He re- he read the play. He filled the hole. Oh, I think that was in the second quarter. Was in the second quarter. Yeah, he he filled the hole. Great, exactly what he's supposed to do there. But on contact, he dropped to his knees. And when you do that as an inside linebacker, you lose all leverage. And he just got run over. 
I mean, he, he did it right until he made contact. And, and maybe that's just it's a small sample size. that He didn't play as much as the other guys. But I want to say those other three guys are on a little bit of a higher level than, than Tay Crowder is right now. I feel more comfortable with those guys on the field than I do Tay Crowder. But the guy works hard. And, I, and, I, and look, he hasn't got a lot of playing time yet in his career. So maybe it's just a matter of him just getting some more, some more reps out there in real game settings. But I think the other three are a little bit ahead of him right now. I do think they played better than they did against Austin Peay. Now, it wasn't maybe demonstrably better, but I think they did a solid job. And I also want to say, I don't think they hurt us in this game. Now, there were some plays that they gave up in the passing, and they certainly did. But, again, like we, we held this team to 17 total points. Um, and the inside linebackers, I thought, did a solid job and didn't really cause us um, too much consternation, I guess, is the way I would put this. I mean, South Carolina clearly in the passing game tried to attack them. But as we mentioned earlier, I thought that our coaches staff did a good job of scheming and adjusting to maybe not put them in those man situations as much later in the game. I think they felt a lot more comfortable just kind of reading, sitting back and reading the zone and then breaking on the ball. And once they were able to do that, they were able to break on the ball and actually force a couple of deflections in key situations there and did a good job. But hey, anytime you hold a team to just a hair over 50-plus yards rushing, the, the inside linebackers have to do their job. They have to play well. And so because of that, I'm, I'm going to give him a B minus here, give him a little bit of a break on this uh, on this particular day. All right, let's move it over to the outside linebackers. What grade did you give DeAndre Walker and company? Um, with him, I probably went with just a straight B. I thought they did a better job of keeping the edge. Um, once again, kind of what you said with the deep line, you know, pass rush. I know South, uh, South Carolina was doing stuff to kind of counteract it, but you still have to uh, try to get a little bit better at that. So um, I yeah. stay with just a B. Yeah, that's actually exactly what I have with these guys. I, I thought they played well. Actually, I thought they played really well in the run game. DeAndre Walker, Britton Cox did a good job setting the edge. Uh, even Walter Grant got in the action there, playing that kind of hybrid uh, Sam star position in certain situations. Uh, the numbers didn't show up in a ton of sacks. We all know that. I think there was one sack in the day. DeAndre Walker had one. Uh, but we did get pressure from the edges. We did, and we did force Bentley to have to hurry up and throw the ball a little bit quicker in, in certain time, in certain situations. He, we did force him to step up in the pocket. There just happened to be no one kind of collapsing from the interior. So I thought they overall played well, but we certainly, I still think we can improve our pass rush. Now, a lot of times, you mentioned this earlier, we were just going straight four-man pass rush, and we weren't bringing on a ton of different looks, a ton of different pressures. We did, we, we, there were a couple times we brought five, maybe a, time or two we brought six but we did not get very exotic at all when we got into our dime packages we were really just sitting back trying to keep everything in front of us and not give them anything especially once we got the lead there kind of just force them to just bleed the clock essentially but I do want to see more of a natural pass rush I don't think it was a disaster I don't think it's as bad as some people are making out to be after the game but it does need to improve there's no doubt there so I'm gonna give them a solid B in this game uh, next one up here, last one, the second, last one on the defense. We'll move over to special teams real quick. Is the defensive secondary? Kurt, I was really encouraged by what I saw from this unit. What did you see? Um, I probably go with a B plus. Uh, I thought one thing I was really encouraged with. I thought they did a good job of tackling. Um, you know, if they, really they, good they, job tackling. Yeah, if they space. got the completion. They weren't giving up many yards after. An outstanding job tackling space, and that goes almost across the board for all those guys. I mean, Richard Count was a monster back there. I mean, I thought he might have been the player of the game for us. I mean, I thought he he played so well back there. No, it wasn't the big interception or anything like that. But man, that guy was all over the field, and dude, he covers so much ground. And then Jr. Reed, I mean, we all know what Jr. Jr. Reed brings to the table. Um, DeAndre Baker is playing like a man possessed after he got kind of called out by Debo Samuel there. And Tyson Campbell played pretty well too. Who did? Yeah, I thought Poole actually played. You know, we talked. We really talked up D'Angelo Gibbs after the first game, and I think deservedly so. I thought he played really well, and I thought he might be seeing some more playing time. But 
we didn't really see that. Uh, we saw William Poole. He was he was the nickel guy. And then yeah, Tyre- I feel like right now they're just more comfortable with Poole in coverage. Right, yeah, and that makes sense. And he's been there. I mean, look, Gibbs was out for a while, man. I mean, he wasn't there for the spring. And I mean, it makes sense that we feel more comfortable with Poole right now. And Gibbs is still working his way back into good graces and all those. I think he's doing the right things right now, but he's still got a, a little a little ways to go. And then, of course, you have Tyreek McGee coming back in. He plays that position as well. Um, depending on the package, so that that's another guy kind of that Gibbs is gonna have to compete with. But I thought Poole played really well. I thought McGee played well. You know, his first action this year coming back from the injury that he suffered in the preseason. So I, I thought those guys played well at that position. I'm gonna give him an A. Uh, I know that South Carolina was able to rack up uh, some yards. You know, the only reason I didn't go to A is because we just had a couple of the brain farts. You know, with Campbell. I mean, he's yeah. a freshman. But, yeah, I mean uh, the the the. Debo Samuel fly sweep pass deal. He completely he, he got sucked in by Debo Samuel, which and, and that's what we're talking about. Like one of the reasons why I was worried coming into this game, if I had any reason to worry, was stuff like that. With, with the guy is super talented, but just really inexperienced, hasn't seen things like that, and he might blow something like that. And he did, but fortunately for us, it, it was few and far between. It didn't really end up hurting us at the time. We didn't know that. I was kind of freaking out there, but. Uh, Ultimately, it did not end up hurting us. But Campbell did give up a few plays, gave up the long touchdown pass. Now, the touchdown he passed that he gave up uh, was with Brian Edwards, right? Like, he was yeah. in – we were texting about this. He was right there. He yeah, was like, in position. He just, got, he just got lazy at the end. Yeah, he just – he didn't put – he just didn't turn around. He didn't turn He didn't turn around. He didn't see Edwards put his hands up, so he didn't throw his hands up. I mean, he was in position. It wasn't like he just got flat-out burned. That's what we're talking about. Like, the guy is extremely talented. He just gotta get the experience. Put your hands up there when you see him. When you see his eyes get wide, when you see his hands go up. You turn around. You put your hands up. You make a play on the ball. He just did not make the play on the ball there, but he was in position to do so. And that's something that comes with time. It comes with reps. It comes with seeing more of this and getting out there in those big time settings. I think he'll certainly learn from this. But he did give a few plays. Uh, Baker had the aggressive pass interferences in the first quarter. But honestly, I, I, those didn't bother me at all because he was again. Well, like Kirk, Kirby said, he rather he doesn't mind those. But he said he knows the guys playing physical that he's not getting beat. Yeah, I mean, like again, he, it wasn't like the South Carolina guys were they they were beat and they had to commit pass interference and commit holding penalties to stop our guys from getting giant plays, getting touchdowns. Baker was in position. He was just sending a message. He was just playing physical. He was pressing the guy aggressively and, and doing what our coaches wanted to do. Uh, and, and to me, really what it comes down to is two things. They threw the ball 47 times. We were challenged through the air. And I thought, we all thought they would challenge through the air because our secondary was, was the inexperienced crew that we, had, that we had a lot of young guys, but they got true freshmen starting in one of the quarters. They threw the ball 47 times, but they only averaged 5.7 yards per attempt. And then the best wide receiver in the history of the world, that old Debo Samuel, we held him to six catches for 33 yards. That dude was a non-factor in this game. And if our secondary was able to take him away, yeah, I know Brian Edwards had 100-plus yards, but when they have that many players and that many weapons out wide and you're able to take away their all-world all receiver, I think we've done a pretty good job there. So I, I think they answered the bell, and they played really well, and I'm giving them an A on the day for sure. Uh, last position group here, special teams. Overall, coverage units, kicking, all of it together, Kurt. What would you give our special teams units? I'd go with an A just in only with that. You know, I would go with A plus. I mean, Rodrigo and the field goal and kickoffs was A plus. Unbelievable, man. Kamara just has to do a little bit better job of just – I know he wants to go out there and boom it and show his leg off, but sometimes you got to learn, you know, try to pin him down. I think on that one, I, I, I don't think he had any – I think he was just trying to punt the full. I don't think we were trying to necessarily pin him inside the 10-yard line. Uh, Kirby didn't mention it in this game, but you know, going back to the Austin P game and some of his press conferences after that game, and talking about how he was booming them, he's like, "Yeah, you know, we want to give him inside the ten, but we we weren't really asking him to do the sky punt there." So I don't think we we're asking him to do the sky punt on that particular one. He just happened to just 
kicked the holy crap out of it. And then, then we did ask him to do the sky kick. He was able to down it inside the 10-yard line. Uh, but you're right. It would be nice to get it inside, you know, get, keep it in play there for sure. Uh, but look, man, Rodrigo has not had anything less than a touchback on any kickoff this year. Now, he had that I one. That was huge because going into the game, that was one of my things that, uh, you know, Debo wasn't going to get the yards, and that's exactly why, because Rodrigo yeah. was not going to allow him. And he had two, two, uh, two, special, or two kickoff returns for a touchdown the first two games last year before he got injured. So this guy, not only is a weapon as a receiver, he's a major weapon in the return game. And when we did not give him one opportunity to return the football, dude, that, that is huge. I mean, you do not want to put the ball in that guy's hands and give him any chance to do anything. And then, of course, the two field goals. Now, the first one, he barely slices it inside the left up right there, but he does get it in. And then the big clutch kick uh, right before the half to put us up two scores going to the half and kind of build that momentum. Uh, I thought I thought it was an outstanding day for the special teams unit, so I'm gonna give him an A plus. I, I don't know what else I could have done. Uh, maybe Camarda could have gotten that both of them inside the the, uh, the ten yard line, but uh, I thought it was an outstanding day for our special teams unit all the way around. All right, well, let's move on real quick here, Kurt, to our top performers on the day. So we had a lot of guys play really well. Obviously, when you when you beat a team 41-17 on the road like that in a hostile environment, a lot of guys had to do their job, and a lot of guys had to play really really well. But if you had to pick three guys to highlight, Kurt, who were your three top performers on the day? Um, first, I'm going with DeAndre Walker. I thought he did it all for us. You know, he did get some pass rush up there. He got one sack. But I also thought he did a good job, job dropping into coverage and doing like He looked really kind of fluid and natural out there. Yeah, pretty much he did everything we asked for him. So that's why I got to go with him. And if he can, if he can do that kind of stuff more consistently, if he can play out there uh, and feel natural out there, like I, like I thought he did on Saturday. That can free us up to play Britton Cox a little bit more on, on the other side and maybe give him more of a pass rush than what, than what Walter Graham brings us. Uh, so th- I think that could be big for us down the road, just something to keep an eye on. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good one for sure. Who else you got? I'm going Richard LeCount. I thought he did it all. I think what was really impressive about him is he did a great job in pass coverage, especially the one that sticks out was where he helped out Nate Trez over the top on that wheel route. But he yeah. also did a great job coming in and laying licks on, uh, the licks in the run game. Man, I, just a spoiler alert here. Richard LeCount is on my list, and since you brought him up, I'm just going to mention this real quick. I mean, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Dude, how much ground does that guy cover in a quick amount I mean, of time? And not, try, not, not to sell anything Sanders did, but you're already seeing a difference in what someone who has as physical as him does that Sanders just couldn't do. Oh, Jesus, night and day, talent-wise, between those two. Now, Sanders did a lot of really good things for us. Uh, he was a leader back there. He knew what to do for the most part. It's a four-year starter. It's hard. It's hard to criticize him too much. But Rich LeCount is on an entirely different level from a talent perspective. And once everything clicks for him, and it looks like it's starting to click for this guy. The sky is the limit for this man. So having him back there with, with Jerry. Well, and one thing that really stuck out to me is someone who hasn't played as much as he has and plays as physical and as fast as he does. I thought he did a great job, just like with that one hit on Daddle, not lowering his head but using the shoulder. I mean, yeah. When I saw that, when I saw that in the stadium. Live, I was like, oh my god, is that targeting? Is that targeting? And then you see the replay, I'm like, oh no, dude, that was just perfect. He played it perfectly. I I, I just, I love the guy. He plays a reckless abandon. He's extraordinarily talented. He just covers so much ground so quickly. I mean, how many times, I don't know how many, go back watching the replay again. I don't know how many times I'm going to say this about him, but so many plays, he's just not even in the screen. A guy's running free, and here comes Richard LeCount just screaming from nowhere to make the play. And he's a great, I mean, so far he's shown to be a really good tackler in space, which is key as, as a safety. A lot like J.R. Reed. So, I mean, I, he's definitely on my list as well. All right, who's your third guy? Uh, last one, I mean, it's a no-brainer. You go with Nicole. Yeah, Nicole for sure. Uh, absolutely. You and I are on the same page mostly here. I got two of the same guys. I got Nicole, uh at the top there. 
Uh, I've got Richard LeCount, of course, and then I'm I'm gonna throw a little curveball here. I'm gonna go Rodrigo Blankenship. We just talked about him a little bit. Yeah, I think that's fair because I especially think that one at the end of the half uh, was a huge. It's huge, huge man, and, and they were loud. I mean, I was right down there. I mean, it, it it was loud. They were doing everything they could to affect him. It was a 44-yard kick. It's a big-time moment that could put us up two scores, and he nailed it. But more than anything, really, it was just the touchbacks. Like, I mean, the guy has had a touchback every single time he's kicked off this year. And doing it against Debo Samuel, not giving him an opportunity to affect the game uh, in the return game, that is it is just critical to us. I mean, that was absolutely a huge part of this game, and, they, and he had no chance. So, I got to give Rodrigo some major props there, and there are there's plenty of love to go around. There are a lot of other guys that deserve to be on the top performer list, but those are the three that stood out to me. And if you had to give out one game ball, Kurt, to one of those three guys, who are you giving it to? If I did take one of the three, I think you go to me, Cole, because he just, especially in the second half, he just changed the game. Um, yeah. More or less, I mean, he just cha- you know completely changed momentum. He gets that t- that quick touchdown. Um, and then right after that, he comes back with that big play, uh, big play on the big reception with a wide open play. So I mean, right, you know, those two plays stick out as just completely changing the momentum. I could go with someone else just to be different, to be a contrarian here, to give us a little something else to talk about. But I just got to be honest, man. Mecole was a flat out baller, and this guy, I think, I, I think everyone in the country is about to find out how explosive and how good this guy is. I think he might potentially be a household name by the time this year is over with. Uh, obviously, us in the Bulldog Nation, we know who he is, but I think everyone around the country is going to know the name Miko Hardman before too long. This guy is just too explosive, and now he's become a true receiver. You know, like last year, especially the first half of the year, he was still feeling his way, right? Yeah. Trying to learn that position. He never played before in his life. He was a, basically a, a running quarterback in high school. And he spends his first year in, in Athens trying to learn to be a DB. And we flip him over to the receiver position, and he's learning that last year. He had some he had some big drops. We all remember some of those. The one at Notre Dame in particular kind of stands out. But the guy got better. He kept grinding, kept working, kept chopping wood, as Kirby likes to say. And he has turned himself into a true threat at the wide receiver position. I mean, he can do it all. Whatever you need him to do, he can do. He can run routes. He can he, you know, he can get open just based on his route running ability. He can burn you. I mean, he, he can he can do the jet sweep stuff. He can run wild dog if we need him to do that at some point. This guy is a weapon in so many ways, and I really believe that he will be a household name. So will Richard LeCount as well, sooner rather than later. So both those guys played really well, but I'm going to go with Miko on this one just because uh, he, he kind of sealed the deal with some of his explosive plays there at the end. All right, guys, that does it for us here today on the Glory UJ Podcast. We definitely appreciate you guys taking time to listen to the show. Uh, Please remember to check us out on Podbean uh, through the rest of the week. This is our free show of the week, but the other shows will be posted to our premium site on Podbean. It's only $2 a month. It takes you about a minute or so to sign up. So if you want more access to our content, you want to get our preview show, I'm also going to have a detailed look, uh, essentially play-by-play look at this game. Uh, Definitely check that out on Podbean. Uh, subscribe today. We definitely appreciate everyone who's already done so, and we appreciate everyone who has, has plans to do so in the future. Can help us continue on with the show, pay all, all of our overhead costs and all of that good stuff. But uh, for Curtis, I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening. It's a great win. It's an awesome win. Got to keep chopping wood. Got another one up next week. Can't have a letdown. But as always, go dogs. Mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. 
Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. 